0: Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. It looked to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams, along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In the world of wrestling, where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads... Don't get lost in a sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20x20 20 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even zubaz, then drop them a line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20 x the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool.
1: Fresh is the word
0: Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host Kelly K Fresh Fraser. And we got another episode for you this week. Double the flavor, double the freshness. The guest for this episode is the global DJ, cultural ambassador, foodie and pop culture preserver and rock steady crew member Philly Zone Scheme Richards. And you can listen and read all about his experiences online on his Nostalgia King website at NostalgiaKing.com and believe me that name Nostalgia King fits him. He recently dropped a new vinyl no digital a 7 inch for the joint Rock Latin Steady the b-side of Bimbo to the Beat via the RBM Boots record label but it sold out really quickly so you're gonna have to look for it. man. There might be a record store that might have a copy be on the lookout for that. During our conversation, we talked about all of experiences traveling the world as a DJ and all the types of relationships he was able to build and form all over the world during those years. We also talked about, you know, what it means to be a DJ during a pandemic, and some advice about what other DJs can do during this time when the whole event industry is on lockdown. Now, we also take it to die- we take a dive into his past and talk about. First becoming a DJ as a kid, he was like 12 years old, and eventually joining the legendary Rocksteady crew. You know, we talk about, you know, comic books, 45s, you know. He, he's, like a, he's like a nerd in that way, man. We just, you know, me and him bonded that way, man, when, it, you know, he's a cool brother. Um, be sure to check out his own st- uh, streaming platform where, he, you know, he plays some stuff over on nerve.fm slash scheme richards. And, uh, you know, before we get into this interview scheme, you know, this is the second episode this week because I took a little time off and I have a lot of uh, interviews in the can, so I'm trying to get them out in a timely manner. Uh, You know, it's, you know, like I said, man, we're just trying to get through this uh, pandemic. Uh, What was, you know, what's cool about this episode is that you know, as DJs, there's all sorts of different kinds of DJs—electronic music, hip hop, whatever. You have you know different levels, different sizes of events that you that DJs do, and you know we're you know everybody's trying to figure out what they're comfortable with, what they can do, uh, what the pr- production standards are going to be. Um, it's definitely a great time to to uh, you know experiment, set things up for when the world opens up more. Um, and also, it's, it's also a time to sort of, like, push the reset button on yourself, your community, your industry, to sort of, you know, rethink things, your, your, your self-care, your health, um, the, to- the toxicity of your environment, you know, is there, you know, how, how are, you know, people of color being represented in your, in your community? You know, how, you know, how many women are being represented in the DJ community that you're in? Um, is there any abuse going on? Who are those people? Uh, is, you know, how are you using your time? How are, because a lot of DJs, you know, tour too much. You know, sometimes they, they wear themselves out. So this is definitely a time to... You know, assess all those things because not everything is, you know, worth the money. And you may have to, you know, move some things around, renegotiate, turn things down or whatnot. But this is a good time to reassess those things, try new things out, work on projects, you know, experiment with projects. Uh, and just, uh, you know, but definitely just be yourself and be honest with yourself. You know, and I think that's what I got a lot out of, uh, you know, talking with Scheme. You know, he was always, hes always been someone who just kind of stick to his guns. He carved out his own little niche, and you know, that's where he is. You know, so, and he's been doing it for a long time, and yo, know, I respect that. You know, and it's definitely gonna—he's he, gonna come out the other end of this pandemic. You know, being a, being able to continue that. So I think that's there's gonna be a lot to learn. You know, listening to this episode, and, and it's a long talk, but you know, it's it's a it's a cool talk, you know. So please bear through it, you know. So uh, yeah, that's about it, you know. That's you know before you know after we get into a word from our sponsor, I'll let you listen to my conversation with Scheme Richards. All right, welcome back to the Fresh of the Word podcast. And like always, we have the freshest of guests for you. The guest for this episode is Scheme Richards. You might have remembered that a previous guest, uh, J Zone. Uh, recommended him to come on the show and we got him Uh, he's from philly he's a dj a collector the nostalgia king the purveyor of rare gems heavy funk 45 slinger he's a burger connoisseur a record label promoter and just all-around preserver of culture how you doing
1: yo what's up man what's up happy to be here how's everything on your end
0: it's been cool man it's um you know it's pandemic shit
1: yeah, maintaining, <laughs> bobbing and weaving, getting around it, you know.
0: Right, right. So, uh, yeah, you got a, um, you got a new seven inch uh, that just came out. Yeah. Uh, now, recently on uh, the RBM Boots uh, label, it is, um, it's called, on um, rock, you know, rock led and steady. You know, talk about that.
1: Yes. Yeah, so basically, you know, I wanted to do. I did a, a, a an edit forty five with the label uh, a couple months back of just like some rare. You know, rare edits, rare records that like no one knows about. Actually, this particular, the first one was actually like ungoogleable. <laughs> you know, I just I just happened to come across this record from yeah. um, the owner of Brewerytown Beats. He he hooked me up with it, and it's like it's like an ill funk forty five, the ill break in it. And I was like, oh, I need to edit this and really like introduce this because that's what digging is for: digging and discovering. is, like let me bring something that no one's ever heard to the game yeah because there's know? a
0: ton of there's a ton of releases out there that were like just local releases uh, right. way back in the day before they ever thought of a lot of the stuff we thought about now you know in regards right. to where music can be you know distributed to and everything they were just doing it to do it you know and they put out these locally pressed 45 so there's all of those just around the world that exist
1: exactly exactly <laughs> so I did that one and then this this next one I did with some crazy rare like latin funk with the heavy like b drum break in it you know but it's 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 most people don't even know about it i would say 99 percent of the diggers don't know about this record so you know <laughs> traveling and being able to travel and find these records is like this is another one that the world needs to hear so it's just a dope edit you know and making it happen you know right that's what we are supposed to do as diggers that's what we do
0: yeah see for me like you know i've you know a nice little record collection a lot of different things um But, like, the one thing that, like, really what, you know, it's almost like you got to be obsessed with it is when you get into that, like, to those rare 45s, like, the original samples. And I'm I'm still to this day, like, yo, how do people find this shit without even, like, knowing, like, knowing from the producer or knowing about having any sort of leads? What does, and even with that record that you found, like, like. What do you look for when you're out there to, you know, that would be like, OK, this might be something that has something on it or like you're just guessing or what, what's 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 the I'm plan of attack?
1: You, especially like there's there's two different things. Like if you're in America, you're here in the States, you're looking for something that has like an oddball label like that you've never heard of, of course. So you're going to drop the needle down because you're like, I've never heard of this band. I've never seen this label before. So that's one side. But when I'm in like Asia, if I'm in Korea, if I'm in, like the covers don't look funky. You know, it's just like a band or a singer, you know. And they all look like wedding singers or something on the cover. <laughs> right. so it's, it's trial and error. You know, it's trial and error. It's, it's, it's buying a stack of stuff and bringing it home and being like, oh, man, all this sucks. And then that one gem, you're like, oh, this made it worth carrying that whole big bag of records home. You know, so it's, a lot of it's just trial and error, you know. What's
0: some, what's some of your favorite places to dig around the world?
1: Um, well, Close to the States, I would have to say Canada, Toronto, which is Cosmos Records. You know, always, like, just... Oh, yeah,
0: Cosmos. I love them. Yeah. I've been yeah, there, my, man. I found, like... Brother, the I, funny thing is, I found, like, like regular-ass shit that, for some reason, I can't find. Yeah. Like, because yeah. Cause they were in weird times. Like, here's the s- story. Remember like, um, remember, like, the rock band Tesla? Yes. Like, th- th- their biggest album, like, back when... Like whenever, you know, uh, I forgot the name of it. I have like radio. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. It's, um, it's this one, um, the, oh, yeah, the great, uh, radio, con- uh, controversy, right? For some reason, this record's so hard to find because it was during those years where, um, they were doing, when it converted more from like records, to tapes and CDs. So yep. record production was kind of down. On yep. records, like, i never seen this. And I just happened to be in Cosmos, and they had it. And I'm like, oh, snap, I've been looking for this, you know?
1: Yeah. See, that's the thing. A lot of stuff, you know, came out. And then, you know, people came in, and they bought all of the copies and left. You know, like, the Japanese came over, the British came over, yeah. you know? Uh, and, and they just left. So you, it's hard to find certain things local, you know? But, like, Cosmos, um, Universe Sounds in Japan, that's another one. Uh, Superfly in Paris, um red light records in amsterdam like there's just so many like good record shops that like have like meat like the meat and potatoes of stuff right like
0: like cosmos i also saw like a they had had a bunch of like japanese like hip-hop stuff and it was just like random things like there's this one like japanese singer that kind of did hip-hop stuff but then it had like a kenny dope remix on it
1: yeah and i'm like what's this dog and it was was fresh There was a there's a female singer back in the mid 90s um, from Japan, and she had a couple 12 inches out. And it's funny. Nobody in America really knows about this record. But there's one she has one 12 inch that Evil D from Beatminers did a remix on. OK. And then there's another one, another 12 inch that Molly did the remixes on. <laughs> and it's so crazy. She was signed to like Sony Japan or some label on Sony. Yeah. But it was like it was like 90s hip hop and R&B. But it had, like, remixes by Beat Miners and then the other 12 inches. What's their mixes, name? Uh, Do you remember? I got to get it for you. I got I, I to gotta find out the name for you. But I, I got the 12 inches, but they're they're crazy. I'll, I'll send them to you.
0: Yeah, send I me mean, that shit. Yeah. But, yeah, dude, like, it, it's just weird, like, we're, um, it, it's funny, though, like, even today, like, like, vinyl kind of went through this whole, like, other, like, renaissance to where we're, you're we're no, you know, for the most part like the dollar bins are not the dollar bins we used to, man. Like I miss right. those. <laughs> but right. but then like you're seeing all this stuff that like like from because of the internet and because of the other thing we're able to sort of, you know, get things that maybe we didn't get things before, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more easier, but there's like a a more open sort of thing going on that you're yeah. like oh, shit, like, we're getting all this stuff, and then people can kind of do their... What I like now is, like, people are doing, like, the, the low-press vinyl, making it, right. like, just a, a special thing for, like, their fans, and yes. and they make it look good, too, you know? They don't just, like... Back in the day, a lot of vinyl might look like like hip-hop yes. vinyl, especially, be like, all right, that's cool, but... <laughs> <laughs> but what's your, th- what's your thoughts about, like, just, like... You know, putting out vinyl these days, you know.
1: Well, for me as a DJ and traveling, I play 99% vinyl. You know, that's what I do. So like, it works for me. I'm happy. Like, you get all of the like new like funk, soul, jazz, yeah. hip hop bands. Like you, it's it's so much of it coming out right now, which makes my job so much easier. You know, so it's it's dope. It's 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 really dope. I mean, there's a lot of junk that comes out as well. Like, cause it's the the ease of being able to press up records now is so like anyone can do i've been
0: seeing reissues of stuff that i'm like yo why are you reissuing it
1: yeah for <laughs> me that's a, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother <laughs> conversation like for me when, when i look at reissues i'm like do we really need this reissue it it, it got burned out in the 90s right we've heard a million times on serato like right like like there's so much other stuff why are we go reissue or bootleg a b-side or an album cut yeah you know, why are you reissuing or bootlegging the same one, like, the top 50 of the 90s? Like, to me, that's whack. Right. You know, the, it's, yeah. it's a cash grab. It's a cash grab. Yeah. And people are like, oh, yeah, it's so-and-so on 45. Like, okay, we don't play it on 12-inch, so who cares? No,
0: the funniest, the funniest reissues I ever saw was Herb Alpert, like, reissued his whole discography. Yeah. And I was like, he must have a loyal fan base that will buy all of that stuff. Well, <laughs> because... That's...
1: But you know that's that's the record labels, man. The labels are like, oh, vinyl's fashionable again. Okay, how can we capitalize on this? But what they what they fail to realize is you're clogging up the pressing plants. Yeah, that yeah right? yeah. Clogging up the pressing plants, and that those records, his records are so readily available in any secondhand shop. Right.
0: <laughs> right, and I was like, they're doing what?
1: Yeah, like, <laughs> go back in and go back in and buy up all your inventory from record stores and clean them up, and then, you know. <laughs> open up open up a store yourself if you want to do that. It's Yeah, it's it sucks. It, it really sucks.
0: You know, the thing with, like, technology and the internet is that, like, in like, a website like Discogs and stuff is that you can even, you know, you can find stuff uh, online that maybe you would never see digging. But then, at the same time, when you dig, you're going to see stuff that you've never seen, uh, like, online. So, you know, right. what, what's your thoughts about that balance?
1: So, so for me – See, I'm on the left side of things because I travel, so I'm seeing stuff all over the place where it's like I would never see certain things home because it may be regional to Japan or to Korea. Yeah. But then there's American records where I'm like, yo, I've never seen this anywhere in America. But then I go to another country, I'm like, oh, you guys got two copies of this. <laughs> you know, I've learned patience. Like it's so easy to get things online now, yeah. and I feel like there's the 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 value of appreciating things is not the same. It's the the ease of like I got it. Like you know, like my patience level has really slowed down to the point where I can wait if I really want a record bad enough, I can find it. I can call, make a million phone calls, and get a right. record bad enough. But the the feeling of finding it when you're out digging, it's like yeah. And I really yeah. I think I think that patience came back for me going back and, like, starting to collect comic books again. I mean, I never really stopped, but, like, going out and hitting the, the, the comic shops and finding, like, back issues from 1977 of rare gems and things that I'm like, oh, I can go on eBay and get this. But, like, going into a physical shop... Yeah. ...and looking in the bins and being like, oh, man, I've been looking for that, you know? It's it's a different feeling. So everything is there, but it's just, like, patience. I, can, I Like, we can get... There's no fun and just ordering it, you know? Right. It's, it, it's like the fun is the discovery and being out.
0: I do have a little bit of fun being on uh, Discogs, and if I if there's a record that I'm searching for, mm-hmm. I'll go on that store and look through everything to see if there's anything else that I want. Well, I yes. kind of have fun with that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but that's time-consuming. It <laughs> is.
0: Like, I'm just sitting there on my... Because I'm glad I have that. You know, I'm on the app, Discogs app, and I'm just like, boom, boom. I try to, like, you know... Filter it down to, like, yeah. what I'm actually kind of looking for, but right. then but then sometimes you'll get a, a store that has, like, a hundred things, you know? It's just, like, yeah. a regular person, and I'd be like, all right, cool, and they might have a couple things that I want, you know, right. at a decent price, and I like that, you know?
1: See, like, the, the thing about, like, going into a physical shop is that social interaction, you know? That too, yeah. Like you, you talk to the owner. And he's like recommending records for you or recommending yeah. certain things. Like I, I I miss that and during the pandemic, that's like really a missing thing right now. You know? Yeah. So like, I like recently
0: to... yeah, recently like I just went out like I've just been in my apartment, you know, boom during this. I went I finally went out like after they started opening some things up here in Michigan that um that went you know, I went to the record store for the first time. And I literally looked through the whole place, you know, and mm-hmm. I was and it was so relaxing and I haven't had that in such a long time. And I was just like, this is cool. And I found just like weird little shit, like local Michigan bands and stuff like that, you know, and right. it was it was such a fun experience, you know.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, man. It's just like just being out and, and you know, just just being able to go dig and just talk to people and be in bins and like step out of your house and get some fresh air for a change you know like we need that like we i feel like we're all getting claustrophobic in the house right now yeah you know even though we may be busy because i'm i'm constantly like working on projects and stuff like that same stepping outside and like getting some fresh air and (laughs) you know walking into a shop it just feels so good
0: right right i i feel you i feel you um (laughs) So you've been, you know, you've been DJing since 81, you say, 81. like, man, it's been, yeah, it's been a long time. It's going to be uh, 40 years uh,
1: yeah. next year, you
0: know, <laughs> like, how did you first get into DJing?
1: Um, it, it was one of those things where I had just moved to the new neighborhood. We moved here in 80 and the school kids that I was going to school with, their older brothers had turntables. So I'm hanging out with them. And then going to their houses after school, and they're sneaking to use their brother's turntables after school. So it was just one of those things that just fell into play. You know, I had already been seeing DJs, block parties. Like my older cousin was DJing, had records, the whole nine. But it was that moment of hanging with kids that were 11 years old, like myself, you know, and that's how I got into it. That was like, it was just like a natural thing. Yeah. It was riding bikes. DJing.
0: <laughs> so you got to see all like the, the come up of all the classic DJs in Philly.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. I was a young guy, but I was very observant. And even still to this day, like I'm a historian. I'm observant with things. I'm yeah. I'm always analyzing and dissecting things. So yeah, I see I seen a lot of stuff happen there. A lot.
0: What was like what was some what was some of the craziest things that just as a kid that you saw that just blew your mind?
1: Um I would, I would have to say, uh, DJ-wise, you mean? Yeah,
0: DJ-wise, or just DJ watching wise? a DJ, you know. and
1: Just, uh, you know, <laughs> one of the craziest things is seeing a kid my age lose a DJ battle and lose his records. <laughs> because back then, we used to battle for crates of records.
0: Oh, yeah, okay.
1: So that's got to be the, like, because just think about this. You saved your lunch money. You saved your Christmas money. You bought records, and you battled and you lost and you lost all your records and seeing someone take your crate of records home even if it was five records someone taking your crate of records home that's that's probably the craziest thing besides seeing like you know DJ set up with monster speakers and stuff like that like that's that's amazing and exciting but seeing people lose their crates of records you know wow or battling for equipment sound for sound and and losing your whole sound system
0: Wow, that's that's
1: that's the craziest.
0: That's crazy. That's crazy. So like, yeah, like Philly's like one of those one of those cities that's always been synonymous with soul and hip hop, and so many great DJs came from there. Like, who are you know who are some of your who are the people that you looked up to coming up uh, during that time? Um, you know what was just like the hip hop scene and everything? You know how was that? You know growing up.
1: So like you know Philly is. An hour and a half away from New York. So, you know, Philly is considered the second city of hip-hop. A lot of what was going on in New York was going on in Philly. We were already doing graffiti. You know, we were, the city was bombed. We already had sound systems in the park. We already had DJs. You know, the MC influence definitely came from New York. You know, we all we had dancers. Like, they had B-Boys. We had, like, what we call steppers, which was a similar thing to break-in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just the whole thing that was just going on, it was just culture happening at the same time. So it was, it was pretty much like, you know, Kung Fu flicks Saturday afternoon, black exploitation. (laughs) You know, it was, it was, I'm, I'm seeing as a kid, the whole Genesis and, and like building of what was going on culturally and hip hop wise, you know, like it was just black culture. You know, it was just, it was just black culture, like Kung Fu flicks, black exploitation, DJs in the park on Saturdays and block parties, you know, graffiti, like seeing all this stuff just really made that impression on me as a kid, you know, as it would any kid, like you ride your bike and you're reading tags on the wall and you're, you know, so like that's life was just, it was just kids, kid shit. You know, you were just growing up and it was just kid shit. You know, what was, what was Philly like for you as a kid? Just like Philly in general, um, Philly in general, it was fun. You know, it, it was definitely fun. It was it was definitely buck wild at certain certain times. <laughs> and like, you know, you can you can be in a wrong neighborhood as a kid, like walking home, get robbed, you know, by, by older kids or whatever. But like for the most part, it was filling culturally and artistically. There's the the influence of the culture and music and art and everything. I've seen that since day one as a kid, and that's what made me who I am today. That that influence of art and culture of Philly, you know. It's the reason why, you know, we're the second city of hip hop. It's the reason why when it comes to disco, Philadelphia International Records, you know, the, the sound of Philadelphia, you know, we're we're instrumental for so much that happened in the world in music and culture. You yeah. know, we're 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 so so important for that. So,
0: when did you first have that like sort of holy shit moment that like Like, I want to be around this for the rest of my life.
1: I want to do this. Honestly, since day one, (laughs) day one. And but the thing is, when I first started DJing and even into my teen years and my adult years, I never wanted to be a professional DJ or producer or whatever. I never wanted. I just because music and life like that's what I do. You know, so if I worked a day job, I would always still come home and DJ. Yeah. You know, I would always come home and produce or make beats. Like it's just what I did. So I never really wanted to be a professional like this. I never wanted it to be my nine to five. Or actually it's not even nine to five. It's like sun up to sun down and all around. <laughs> you know, but like But the oh shit moment came at a point where I was where I was working at BMW and still traveling and, and DJing and, you know, all the time. And then one day I just woke up and I was like, oh shit, like How am I going to be able to go on tour and I'm holding down this day job? Right. You know, and that came at a point where I had to make a decision. What's going to happen? You know, and luckily the company I worked for had just got bought out by another company because it used to be family owned company. So my manager would just basically be like, oh, you can do it. You know, oh, you're going to London Friday. Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. I'll see you on Monday. Like he knew he knew he was he was all about it but when the corporate company came and bought it he basically told me you know I can't really let you just fly around the world whenever you want to fly around the world you know right. so that was the defining point where i either had to you know be at work or be at work you right. know so i was like I, he was like i can lay you off <laughs> you know and i was like you know what lay me off because i had already had like three week tour in japan all scheduled yeah so it came at the right point and that was the defining moment where it was like okay boom this is what i'm going to do for the rest of my life how long ago was that this was 2011
0: okay all right how have you yeah how how have you been able to like keep things going since then and how did you keep your like just your uh even before that, you know, how did you keep your, like, DJ career going? And then, what you know, what was the change after that?
1: So, all right, so when I – I would say when I really, really started getting on and, like, traveling the world was 2003, 2004, when I really started just being like, okay, I'm all over the place now. And, you know, I worked a day job since I got out of high school, you know, I, a a day job is what got me a house. A day job is what got me a car. Like, so I'm used to working. Yeah. You know, so me working and then 2004, 2003, 2004 being like, okay, Thursday, I'm flying to another city. You know, if it's America, I'm flying on Friday. If it's Europe, I'm flying on Thursday. But I had that discipline to know like, all right, I'm back on Monday. Like I would catch the flight from, from London on Sunday evening and then I'm home Monday and then yeah, don't
0: wild out too much. So you can't work yeah. all week.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to work. But the, the thing was, I love making all that corporate money and I love making all that DJ money. Yeah. So it, it was all good. I had no problem like being up all day and then rocking parties all night. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm built for that lifestyle. You know,
0: how did you first sort of, you know, get on to where you were getting getting booked for these uh you know in other cities other countries
1: so when i started djing for rock steady crew because i'm a member of rock steady crew yeah um i used to travel with like crazy legs and those guys and like we would just be in different cities and i'd be djing and rocking jams like the, i think the first time i really started getting it in it was new york it was rock anniversary and you know cats just took notice and they was like oh we need you Need to bring you here. We need to bring you to this city. We need to do. We need to bring you to London, you know. And it just—it was the trickle effect of like somebody seeing me in one city or or country, and then somebody else seeing me and be like, "I need you to come over here." So, <laughs> it's just right place, right time every time.
0: Oh, nice, nice. What? When was sort of like? What was sort of like the holy shit moment though that you're like, this could this could be something that I could do for the rest of my life? That would, you know, eventually lead to that decision you got to make, you know.
1: I think it was that first time I stepped foot in London. I I went international for the first time and I think it was like that early 2000s. I stepped foot in London and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I could do this. I'm I'm built for this lifestyle. I'm getting passport stamps. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, so I think that was the moment. But it was still one of those things, whereas I still love all this corporate money over here, you know, and I love this DJ money and. I can buy anything I want. I can pay all my bills. I can stack money at the same time. I can buy expensive records at the same time and not worry about breaking a bank. It was just, it was amazing. Yeah, a lot of know? people
0: don't have like sort of that luxury.
1: And that's the thing. It was, that was the why it was hard to be like, oh, do I want to leave this corporate lifestyle? Because it was so much money over there that it was just, I could do whatever. But it was also that money, that corporate money that made it so that I could do my DJ lifestyle.
0: Yeah. You're doing it in service. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand that balance of, Oh, I want to be an artist. I'm never trying to work a day job. Well, guess what? Your day job is what pays to get you, buy you supplies to do your art.
0: Right. Right. If you're lucky enough, if you're lucky enough with your art, you know does it for you yo right. cool but there's a lot of people out there you know that still need to hold on a day job to pay for that stuff you know
1: exactly and that's the thing i don't i don't think people really understand that aspect right there where like yo that corporate job helps you to buy the things you need to get your hustle on so if you need to buy a plane ticket to go to a city to perform you know like, you can afford to fund your own travels and tours to go places. Even if it's just to go to another city to go digging, yeah. your corporate job will pay for you to take a flight to go to the West Coast to go dig. Right. <laughs> you know, like, there's, there's no pride in having a day job to make money. You know, people, people like, don't don't mess up the pride thing. You know, like, people are too, too prideful to work a day job. Yo, work a day job. Because right about now, the amount of DJs that are out of work. Woo! Yeah, it's sad. You
0: know, it's sad right now.
1: If you got to go work at UPS, you got to go work at UPS.
0: <laughs> right. What sort of, when you're traveling, you know, what sort of, what sort of like your method of operation? Like, you know, how do you keep, uh, keep your mental health cool? How do you stay healthy? How do you uh, enjoy the places that you're at?
1: Well, I enjoy the places because I make sure, first and foremost, I'm staying for a couple of days so I can soak it all in. You know, and what's keeping me mentally healthy is taking in the scenery and the sights around me. Like I'm going to places that most people would pay to go on vacation to, you know, and other people would never go there. So it's that feeling of knowing like I'm getting flown to basically go on vacation all the time. That's a that that's a good feeling. So that makes me feel young all the time. Yeah. You know, you know. Health wise, food wise, like I make sure I eat good wherever I go. You know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Like I can still eat like shit, you know, (laughs) I can still eat like shit, but like I eat good when I go places, you know, and so that's keeping me good. And I make sure I I get enough sleep. I don't, I don't like some people will just run and run and run. I make sure I get enough sleep, you know, And, and I enjoy the countries that I'm in because that feeling of that adrenaline rush of being in another country and seeing culture. That'll keep you feeling young forever.
0: What you know, what is it about you as you're you know, you're this purveyor of nostalgia, you you know, you drop 45s, you find the rare stuff, you go digging, and this is how you DJ. You know, what is it about that that you feel like has been the reason why you you continually have a career doing this?
1: Well, one, because it's honesty. Like there's a lot of people that have images and they're like it's like their social media or their 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 artist imagery, but like that's that's not necessarily them. Yeah. You know, for me, I am who I am. You know, everything the nostalgia that's just who I am. Like I've always been that since day one. I still do the same things that I did as a kid that I do as an adult. I still go ride my BMX on the weekends, right? Like as a kid, if I would go do a party or something and come home, I had to be home by eleven o'clock. I would come home. Oh, what's on TV? A Godzilla film. So I'm gonna watch this Godzilla film. <laughs> if I come home now from party at two AM, I'm still doing the same things. I'm throwing on a Godzilla film, I'm <laughs> um, you know, I'm watching a Kung Fu flick, I'm eating a leftover cheesesteak or pizza, and I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna watch it and I'll go to sleep like four o'clock. Like my lifestyle has never changed. I'm still comic shopping, I'm still record shopping, you know, I'm still doing all the things that I did as a kid. So what you see is what you see. Like that's me since day one, you know. So, like, that's why I can keep that because it keeps me feeling young. And the minute you stop feeling young, is your your career is over. Right, right. You know,
0: when you know you're doing all this traveling, different cities. You know, how do you you know maintain relationships with people in all those different cities? You know, and you know, and. and what type of people do you like to connect with? You know what, you know what is what is it about the people that you want to know, you know? Like what are the types of people
1: you want in your circles in each of these cities? Well, all right, so I build relationships because unlike other artists, successful artists, I don't have management and I don't have a booking agent. All my my whole career is based off of relationships. Yeah. And building those relationships i don't have a guy to go in and talk for me and be like oh scheme wants three thousand dollars to play your party you know he's never met you but you know the connect comes from the manager and the booking like i've built relationships with people and to the point where they look at me as like oh man scheme's a good dude he wants to come out here and play we know he's a very honorable person let's rock with him you know and it's because of that That they'll always bring me out because we have relationships it's just not a money grab you know it's about it's about these relationships with people you know
0: yeah what is it about like just your overall you know personality that you know kind of keeps you open to being able to do that for yourself you know there's a lot of people that i don't know if they can even just do that for themselves whether it's you know lack of self-worth or just being lazy or whatever, you know, what is it about you that like, like lets you be
1: able to be that that person for yourself to take care of everything? Because, you know, at the end of the day, no one can ever say they made me right. No one could ever say they broke me. It's like I did it all myself, you know, here and there, I'll have help where somebody's like, Oh, I have a connect. Let me introduce you to so-and-so where, you know, but for the most part, like no one can ever say they made me. I've gotten around the world. I've gotten passport stamps, you know, on my own, you know, and that's, that's important. Like I've made myself. So at the end of the day, like I'm the only person who could really end or ruin my career. So that, that knowledge of knowing like, yo, I got to do right. Like, cause <laughs> you're, you're only as good as your last gig. Yeah. You know, so I try to make sure I'm always on point, you know, like my OG that taught me to DJ or really like schooled me on DJing. We didn't meet on DJ terms, like my MC used to dance for him and his MC and I would just go to their crib and they're performing or practicing doing routines or whatever. And I'm just like looking around and he's got comic books in the corner and I'm like, Oh man, dude's got all these OG vintage comic books. Yeah. You know? So we got cool on the comic book thing. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. And right. then he
1: took me under his wing.
0: Yeah. That I have this conversation with other friends of mine where a lot of my best friends, like, in in music, we bonded over something else. Whether it right. was, like, rock music or pro wrestling or something, exactly. you know? Like, we we're, we always talk about that shit. Like, we don't even talk about hip-hop shit. So,
1: right, and that's and the
0: thing. That's, like, important to have is those, is just, like, the, the human relationship that you would just have with your homies, you know?
1: Human relationship, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. So, all of the people that I keep around me, like, friends around the world... We have interests outside of this music thing. Right. You know, we either all love good food, good beer, art, books, (laughs) you know, culture. Like, we we love other things. So, like, most of the people that I deal with around the world, we don't even really discuss music. Right. You know, it's it's all these other things. Like, even in Japan, when I go to Japan, the reason why the Japanese love me, yeah, I'm a good DJ, I guess. I, I guess. But they're always like, yo, you know about our culture and everything more than our youth know about our culture. That's Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I like I have other interests outside of DJing. Most people who are like an artist or especially DJs or it's like all you like is DJing. You know,
0: Yeah, and I get and I, I get instantly bored with, you know, what they want to talk about. I'm like uh, right. I don't wanna talk about needles.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't. I don't want to talk about needles. I want like I don't. It's you know. So I'm like, yo, what else do you do? Like, what else? What else are you into? Right. You know, if I ask a person like, yo, what books do you have in your collection, and and you're a DJ, and all you tell me is like these hip hop books, and it's like, yeah, like, okay, but what other books do you have in your collection? Right. <laughs> you know, like anything else? Do you have any graffiti books? <laughs> like, do you have any art books? Do you have any like whatever? Like there's more to life than just, just one lane, you right, know? Right. Where did
0: you, where do you feel like this confidence came from with you? Just like at an early age, being able to just, you know, I want to do this stuff, you know, and, and be
1: authentic. I think that's, that's honestly, it's in the water in Philly. Philly makes you like that. <laughs> like it legit. Like if I was born anywhere else, I probably wouldn't be this person. It's Philly has made me who I am today. You know, the the attitude, the the like, yo, let's do this, I'm down, like Philly has made me who I am, you know. And then just knowing like you know, my attitude is more of a graffiti writer's attitude than it is of a DJ's attitude. Like writers are just like, yo, we going out bombing. We, We 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 doing this. We you know, like you're going out, you know. Right. My attitude is just like that. It's just like, yo, we're doing this. I'm about to be the king of the city. (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, that's what it is so yeah it's just it's just something that's just always been there and just the people who i hung around with they were always like that like the older cats that i hung around with they were always just like yo i'm the best because if you if you don't if if you're not going to know that you're the best and say you're the best why do you think anybody else is going to say that you're the best
0: right right like right now like you know like we said earlier djs are just jobless you know we're in a pandemic we can't, yep. you know, here in the States, we can't leave the country, because uh, nobody wants us, you know, um, and what, you know, what are you doing and what do you feel like DJs need to think about right now in regards to their lot, li- their livelihood, you know?
1: Um, one, stay mentally healthy, right? Stay physically healthy. Th- th- that's more important than their livelihood of like DJing mental health. Physical health yeah. is important. Like, I got DJ homies now. They're like, yo, I haven't been as healthy and took walks to the park ever. Right. <laughs> you know, so that's those two things are, are so important. But as a DJ creatively, it's like, yo, now you have to reinvent yourself. You know, it's only but so much going on IG live and DJing live for free, like you can do. Right, right. You know, it's only but so much. Like, what are you getting out of that? Like, are you staying relevant? Not necessarily, really. Like, I mean, just post on your feed every once in a while. Like, you're not really staying relevant. So, it's about being creative, reinventing yourself, and doing things that you wouldn't have done if you was doing parties every week or traveling. Yeah. You know, maybe it's time to do some new mixes. Right, like, like, and not IG live mixes. Maybe it's time to just do some new mix cloud mixes that haven't been updated in five years. Yeah, you know, (laughs) maybe it's time to actually put out some projects. You know, maybe go do a mix CD. I don't know. Go, you can sell everything on Bandcamp now. Like, like, there's ways to make money. Yeah, if yeah, if you're if you're, if, if you're creative enough, you can. Yeah, exactly. Go go do something. Go collaborate with somebody who's outside of your field to do something new. Who you know, they might still be working, but you can collaborate with them because you're bringing something to the table, they're bringing something to the table, and do a product.
0: Yeah, like, there was, you know, all these years that I was DJing here in Detroit, and I DJed at, like, like a lot of the hip-hop shows, you know, here, you know, for all, like, the MCs that you would know about, you know, Fat Cat, Guilty, blah, 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 you know. And, but the thing that never got me to going farther than that was like my own mental health. Like I, I can be honest with you now that since I've been going to therapy for the past three years is that my own mental health not, got didn't get me out of my little box that what I was in. And right. I was too scared to do a lot of things out there. So, and it still bugs me in my head, you know, even today. But then we're at this time right now where everybody's kind of, same level almost, you know, and yep. same place. So that sort of imposter syndrome isn't there as much. And you can be like, all right, we can try new things. You know, maybe I'll try something new, you know, and maybe do that little stupid idea that I had in my back for a, a yep. mix or
1: whatever, you know, See, when, when the pandemic hit, the first thing I said on Twitter was the level field is, is, is the playing field is leveled now. Yeah. That was the first thing I said when this hit and we were on quarantine, I was like, Playing field's level. Have at it. Because all the famous, everybody loves this DJ that day, DJ, they're just like you right now, sitting in their damn house. Right. <laughs> right. On Instagram every day, DJing for the same people they DJ for, playing the same exact sets that they play in the club. No new imagination, no nothing. Right? Now's your time. You bring something new to the table. You play records that you couldn't play in the club. And show your fans that, like, yo, I play other records just more so than the same top 50 of every decade. Right. Right. And my tweet three days ago was, okay, we're four months in. If you didn't get healthy, whether mentally, physically, or if you didn't do a new project or create something new, you wasted the last four months. And there's a whole lot of people that wasted the last four months. Because I'm like, you haven't done anything new you haven't done any new projects you haven't released anything it's like you're still on 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 social media talking about who's the who's the greatest mc's out and who's the like you're still who's the, like
0: and then there's the dj's who like who were more in it for the party and the lifestyle that that lifestyle isn't around anymore not around. Not so around. now <laughs> and then there's and then there's the people who are just getting outed for being shitty people because yeah, everybody's bored. Thing... Everybody's bored now, and they're like, you know what? So and so sexually harassed me. You know, so but you know
1: what? Though? I like. That's the one thing I do like about everybody being bored now. Because the truth is coming out about a lot of people right. that people in the industry already knew. You know, there's a lot of shitty DJs out there. A lot of shitty MCs. A lot of shitty promoters. There's a lot of shitty people out there with with bad reputations, but they keep getting booked, and people just are silent because. They don't want to get blackballed themselves. Yeah, and we're, they don't-
0: and we're going through this pandemic at the same time as another huge civil rights movement. So it's exactly. it's like it's sparking all these people because they're just at home all the time. So they're seeing all these people coming out and being like, maybe I should say something. You know, I, you right. know, that per- I can't leave them hanging in the wind. And right. so you're seeing you're seeing some of these DJs and a lot of them who are shitty people being, you know, you know, yeah. being put out there for their shitty behavior.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many, I mean, as, as a traveling DJ, I hear all the stories from promoters about who's horrible to work with and all that. And it's like, yeah, well, uh, their personalities like that, like, we we need to stop looking at people as like, oh man, this person's a great DJ and, and they go and like smile on on videos and stuff like that. But when they shut the door, it's like, yo, they're really assholes. In the
0: public.
1: <laughs> you know, they're assholes. Like what they do, they're creative. They could be the best on the stage. But like, they're assholes you know and they're not rock stars like i'm expecting rock stars to be like smashing up hotels like i'm expecting that you know but like a lot of a lot of like especially hip-hop wise i'm like yeah it's a lot of people are just assholes dude. <laughs> right and, right and it's coming out and more and more people are seeing it and getting called out for it
0: yeah yeah over the past four months during this pandemic you know what's all this, what have you been
1: doing what's what have you been working on so, I released the 145, and then I have the new the upcoming 45, which which just went up for pre-order. Uh, I've been doing a lot of writing. I wrote for Disco Patrick's Hot Stuff magazine. I wrote for a German graffiti magazine called Street Love. Okay. Um, I haven't done any IG Lives like like mixes, but I have been doing like I did two or three like IG Live like interview segments. Yeah. Or, or talking about collecting or whatever. Um, I have my new streaming app. So I've been doing mixes for my streaming app, you know, to keep my name out there, keep content flowing for people who enjoy my music. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and then I started working on the Nostalgia King magazine. So I'm working. You know, it's like my time is still I still do the same. I still wake up at 7 a.m. Scroll down Instagram, see what's going on in the world. You know, go go get breakfast. write, Do record reviews for the Nostalgia King site. You know, and then the day starts. So Yeah, yeah the Nostalgia Kings
0: uh, website's really cool because um, you're also talking about other people that put out the same type of records that you do. You exactly. know, you, you know, and that's really cool to, to be able to be supportive of other people that are doing, you know, similar things to, that you're doing.
1: Right. Well, see, that's the thing. I feel like as far as like new release, vinyl, funk, soul, hip-hop, jazz, whatever, like there isn't that one outlet that you can just go to and find this information, you know, right. like with, with the exception of Nostalgia King, um, Flea Market Funk, uh, Monkey boxing like there's a, yeah. there's a couple, but like we need to be together as artists, especially as independent artists. And I always wanted to be that hub where it's like, if you want to know the, the dopest new releases, this is where you come, right here at Nostalgia right. King. You know, and we need that and it's not a competition. Like it's right because for those
0: type of records, no one records gonna be so popular and sell so many records that's gonna blow everybody out of the water and have
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I'm trying to like bring bring everything to people. I'm trying to just have everything under one umbrella and this is the place where you go to get all cool culture, art, lifestyle, whatever. You know, and that's important. So and because of that people look at me as like the tastemaker and I don't even like using the word tastemaker, but people look at me as like the go-to of knowing what's cool, you know, for what we do. It's like mad DJs read my site, even if they don't admit it, I know a lot of DJs who check my site and to find out about a release and then they'll get it, you know, because right. I said, this is a dope record. And you I know, like so- that
0: you like just throw records up in the store too. Uh, just yeah, like you find something, just throw it in there. And
1: it's it's, it's a one stop shop, because at the end of the day, see, there, there's a lot of like, if you're a brand and every DJ artist, whatever is a brand, if you're a brand, then you should have a site that represents your brand, you know, and that that should be everything from photos of your shows to stories yeah. to like store or whatever, because you should have merch like you this should be there. There should be more to you than just you being just the dj or the mc or the artist right you know so yeah having that having a brand and having a location a central location that's important you know
0: when it comes to like the non-music stuff you know you're into comic books and what's what's really on your mind these days you know what are you really feeling what what are you like being what are you being obsessed with whether it's new stuff or old stuff you know
1: um Man, I'm obsessed about everything all 24-7. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. Like, I'm still like, like I still collect vintage toys, old school toys and stuff like that. Um, I'm not really obsessed with one particular thing. It's just I see something that's dope and I'm like, oh, man, I need to dive into that. Because it's, right. it's the same thing if I was a kid. Like, if you were a kid and you, you got your first, like, basketball cards or baseball cards, then you're heavy and you're like, ah, oh, I need to dive into that again. Right, like
0: these days, I'm like I've been like slowly putting my uh, music collection on Discogs, Uh so you just like go through like, memory, memory lane when you're doing that. And I started uh, doing my my cassette tapes, and Mm -hmm. that really took me back, you know. So now I'm like on this thing of thinking about all right, what hip hop artists do I like, and do they have early tapes? Before they got signed and stuff, you know, and can I find them or can I at least just like listen to them on YouTube, you know, right? Like the big, like the big one right now is three, six mafia. I'm like, on this like old three,
1: six mafia kick right now. And I, and I'm sure they've got stuff that was never released or like
0: tons of like mixtapes and shit. Like that. DJ Paul did and everything. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah.
1: Like my homie flash G parks from Houston. He's another guy and that's actually who you should talk to okay he like he's like the houston like connoisseur of just like hip-hop funk soul art like he's that guy and like he's still looking for tapes from like houston artists like 80s yeah he's like i've heard about this but i've never seen it and like i went to i went and found the family to see if they got tapes in the basement like like he's that guy yeah okay (laughs) you know and that's what you want, man. Like, like, like. And any portal of discovering something always leads down this rabbit hole.
0: Wait, wait. While I think about it, since you're from Philly, this is a question I need to know. Before he got signed, did Beanie Siegel ever have any local shit?
1: I never remember Beanie Siegel having anything local. Never. See,
0: I don't, I don't see any shred of evidence for that. You know, online.
1: Uh, so, was he rapping? Yes, he was rapping, but. I didn't. See, I, I've never seen any tapes or local tapes or like just mixed tapes prior to him blowing. Nope, never seen it. Never seen it.
0: All right, that one I just had to ask because that was another one I asked the other day on Twitter. I, no one said anything, and I was like, yeah. I've been, I've been wanting to say that. I've been wanting to ask somebody that question for the longest time. Because yeah, all see, of a sudden, cause he just appeared. You know.
1: Here's the thing. It's like places like with with like Three Six Mafia or like you know. Um, like certain areas to Texas, like that was heavy mixtape culture. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, versus like East Coast mixtape culture was DJ, you know, and he was doing things, and you might have had a freestyle on there. Yeah, but like other places, like yo, y'all actually doing songs and putting out mixtapes.
0: Yeah, they would just do like the whole, the whole mixtape would be an album, you know. Yes. Like for real, but then it would be a mixtape, you know. Yeah, see,
1: that wasn't that wasn't like. That wasn't East Coast culture. Yeah. You know, down south, they have a ton of that shit. Like, right. For that, it would have been like you just did a tape and somehow that tape got let out from somebody of your album that's coming up or whatever songs. But yeah, like that's definitely like, you know, a, a, a down south, a Houston. Like, that's definitely that different thing over there.
0: When it comes to, you know, just all these other things that you like to like go you know go down the rabbit hole for you know where do you go for that you know is it sort of like the same mentality as digging records
1: yeah it's it's the same thing it's it's a lot of you know conversation with fellow collectors and other people that's just into things and you know like one thing leads to the next like i'm heavy into film but film also leads like like i'm into film and i'm in the soundtracks right so if i'm in the film i'm in the soundtracks I, I'm I'm all about both of them. So I've seen a movie, I've collected the soundtrack, but in doing so, then now I meet legit film guys, like, you know, that are like film historians, and then they put me up on other things. And I'm like, okay, I never heard that movie. Now I need to dig for that soundtrack because that connects the dots to everything. And that's just like another thing. And it's like, okay, now I have the movie, I have the soundtrack, now I need to buy the movie poster. <laughs> it was from nineteen seventy three. I need to get that movie poster. You know, so that's it's everything leads to something else, and when it's a when it crosses genres, where you know, if you if you collect one, like, like I said, I collect soundtracks, but I'm also a film guy. This film guy, who's a heavy film guy, is going to put me into something that's going to lead me into that actor, and now I have to go get everything from that actor. You know, <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a rabbit hole of just discovery, right?
0: Like, I'm like. I'm a big wrestling fan, but I really, I really love Japanese wrestling. So that, that got me into wanting to look into other things, Japanese. So I'm like, if I ever see any like Japanese hip hop or hardcore punk or metal, I'll give it a listen before anything else, you know?
1: Exactly. And that's the thing, like with the Japanese, that's why I love the Japanese so much is because when they're into something, they go all out and do it right. Right. You know, that's always, that's always the, the like, Opening gateway drug is, is, is that right there Like you said Like you're into wrestling And then Japanese wrestling And then oh man What goes along With the Japanese wrestling The music So now you got The punk bands The metal right. bands Because punk and metal And all that Is so big in Japan Like right. it's so big in Japan You know So that's the opening To everything It's 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 the same thing How You know I grew up going to Watching Kung Fu on TV And going to the theaters Right Same way with Wu-Tang With RZA right. Same thing People didn't know about the killer. They didn't know about the killer until, you know, meth said, yo, where's my killer tape? You know, like, like no one, the, no people weren't, if you weren't like the guy who was into Kung Fu flicks and, and, and Hong Kong cinema, you wasn't up on John Woo. You wasn't up on those films, Right. right? I was always up on those films because that's just what I'm into. But that was people's introduction See, into Hong Kong cinema, into Kung Fu, into... Yeah. And see, that was
0: so so, what was so cool about like hip hop, especially from the '80s and the '90s. There's so many references to movies and comic books, and literature, and to uh, just you know great black figures, and that you could have a whole history lesson. Like if you're just really listening to like, yo, yo, he just named somebody. Who is that? Boom, you know, and like that's what was so great about the culture is just. You could go down
1: all these rabbit holes, you know? Right. And that's the thing. Nobody, like, this era, we don't do that in this generation now. There's no, like, let me let me quote a comic book line or let me quote a TV line and have people bugging and be like, yo, where did that come from? And then go back. I mean, because look at, look at um, uh, MC Shan's, um, what song was it? It was Marley and, and, and MC Shan' uh, Duck Alert yeah. when they would get some Red Alert, right? <laughs> so... It was it started out with um, I'm speaking to you from the bridge because the bridge was, you know, was Shan was from. So it was like, yo, I'm speaking to you from the bridge. But when you think when I'm a Star Trek fan, so me knowing that I'm like, they sampled that from that Star Trek episode where <laughs> Spock was like, I'm speaking to you from the bridge. Right. But most people wouldn't know what that where that sample came from. But it, fast forward and somebody goes, okay, let me go to samplefind.com. And it's like, where did this sample come from? And then it's like, oh, it came from the 1967 episode of Star Trek. Right. You know, like that's the thing. We're not doing that now. There's no sample or there's no like sound bite, and somebody's like, yo, what is that? And then the right, reason, right. That doesn't happen like that. Yeah,
0: you know? this, yeah, and like even back in the days, you know, you know, you'd open up the the covers, you know, you would see, you know. You're like wondering who's all those features, wondering where all those samples came from. That and even the ones that were listed, you know. And then you go down those rabbit holes, you know. And like there was so much education that you could get from like rap music that in hip hop. That yo, it was crazy.
1: Exactly, and that's what I love that because, like right now, everybody's living in the same exact moment. But back then, it was like, okay, here's Molly. Molly sampling this this Star Trek episode from 1967, like he's going back into time to pull something out fresh because he obviously must've saw that episode as a kid or something, you know, and he's just using it today, which, you know, translates and brings up a forward. It's the same way when diamond D used, um, he used, uh, what was it for it? He used a sample from Hawaii five Oh, right. I, before I even had that soundtrack, and I heard it in his song. I was like, "Yo, that was on Hawaii Five <laughs> and it, it made me go back to my VHS collection and find the episode that that came from. And I was like, "There's the episode right there." And then I went out and bought the soundtrack. Right. You know. Right. So it's it's that thing where, that makes you go and, and discover things, and and that's what I miss about this. Like nothing's inspiring me to the point now where it's like I need to go dig. Because someone said something new today, and I need because we're all singing at the same time.
0: And it was funny that like back then you could tell like like hip hop artists and real hip hop fans that would you know catch those things and wondering those things. We were all like the nerds because at the same time, all of that stuff would get you made fun of too. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Especially in the you know the black communities, you know, and then later on you realize all your other friends like that same shit.
1: And just kept it from you. That's the thing. That's what I loved about, like, growing up how I grew up. I was always nerdy. I was always into, like, I was was fresh. I had the fresh sneakers. I had the name belt. You know, I was fresh. But, yo, I like Star Trek. I read comic books. I went to karate class on Saturday (laughs) afternoon. You know, I got my first computer in 1983, which was a Commodore VIC-20 and then a the Commodore 64. Yeah. Like, I, I went to computer class on Saturday afternoons. Like, I was always nerdy. I watched Godzilla films on Saturdays. You know, it was always... And and that's that special thing, like, me and there's other people that are like that, was just like, yo, we're just nerdy about things. You know? And we love that. And most people wouldn't be able to understand it.
0: Yeah, because there's always the, the sort of... Like myth or stereotype That you know Whatever whatever it is about black kids And black men and everything That you know they're not
1: gonna be Nerdy like that or or, everybody educated and and stuff The thing was like by the time I got to Like junior high, high school or whatever Like I was still nerdy I was still DJing, I was still nice with the DJing But it was like I hung out With the nerdy kids Right, I hung out with the cool kids Yeah I hung out with the dudes that was definitely selling drugs and robbing people, <laughs> right. right? I just hung out with everybody. And and being a DJ, you always got the pass. You know what I'm saying? Like, like even coming up, if I went to another neighborhood to go see a girl and they knew I was a DJ, it was like, oh, yeah, don't fuck with him. He's cool. He's the DJ dude. Right. He, he's cool. You know, <laughs> he's not down here causing track. trouble. He's, he's the DJ dude. The, so I've always had that pass. And going, being in, in junior high, high school, like whatever, neighborhood, it's like, yo, He's the DJ dude. Like, yeah, he he hangs with these people, he hangs with those people, and he don't get involved in no bullshit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't get involved. I just, I'm cool with everybody, and right. that's what works for me, you know?
0: Yeah, earlier we were talking about, like, the effects of the current, you know, civil rights movement with Black Lives Matter. And another thing with this sort of layoff in DJ culture is that there's a lot of, there's a movement going on to really show some acceptance to the black DJs of the culture, whether it's from hip hop, um, funk, soul, especially in dance music, especially in drum and bass and stuff like that, right. where a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of these cultures got, got really whitewashed over the years. Yeah. And the, the pioneers are, you know, not getting support, not even getting love, not getting even booked for stuff, you know? Yeah. And so, talk about like you know your thoughts about all of that. So, like
1: even even like I was DJing before all these people in Philly, all this this '90s generation, two thousand. I like I, I've been there, I've done that. But like I noticed once all of the cool lounges and all the cool little clubs starts popping up, there was an influx of like white DJs, you know. And because they were white, playing black music, club owners and venue owners and bar owners are white they're just mingling together and getting in and you got the pass because your uncle owned something your, or somebody was a friend of somebody, your girlfriend slept with somebody and got you right. a hookup or something. So I'm seeing like all these white DJs getting all of the, the club gigs, you know, and black DJs who were here doing this, not getting it, you know, and it sucks, which was the defining moment for me to be like, okay, you know what? Y'all want to be the Kings of the city. I'm about to be the King of the world. Right. Y'all go ahead and be all city. I'm about to be all world. I'll get you know, these
0: passport stamps and you can
1: passport stamps. you can get, get a stamp get on your yeah <laughs> on your, on your, on your yeah exactly you get the stamp to keep coming in and out of the, of the bar right you know? and so that was a defined moment and seeing that like it really annoyed me because I'm like yo how come all these white DJs are getting booked to play black music music that that's our music
0: yeah you
1: know and your audience is primarily black in a lot of situations you know and even even if it is white it's like yo it's primarily black. Y'all coming there? Y'all playing the most ratchet ghetto shit, you know that your parents would not have accepted in your home, <laughs> you know. But you're, you're getting a check, so that actually pushed me to be like, I'm about to go rock the world, you know. And right. that was important for me. That that was a defining factor. And it, it sucks, and it's still like that. Philly's still like that. It's, and,
0: and when it comes to a lot of those DJs, in okay, I'm I'm white too, but like my my reputation that I've gotten in the, in the Detroit hip hop scene has been out of respect, you know,
1: right. so
0: it's been out of respect, you know, so I don't got, you know, I don't worry about any of that stuff, you know, I, cause I've always had respect for the culture and everybody respects me because of that. But right. a lot of those, you know, those white DJs, DJs that you talk about, you know, there's always that sort of, you know, voyeurist sort of things that they, they kind of, engage in where they want to engage in black culture but you know not be a black
1: person <laughs> right i mean i look at like i look at white djs now and and i'm like okay you're playing the most ratchet ghetto rap shit right yeah. and you're fucking it's screaming nigga this bitch that like it's it's you know what i'm saying like and like i'm looking at your audience and your audience is probably primarily white in the club right and they're all singing along to these songs and i remember When the whole like thing jumped off with George Floyd and like like all of these killings, I I I went on Twitter and I was like, Yo, so how many DJs now, you know, how many y'all still playing these songs and singing and singing, you know, nigga this and like how many of y'all still still doing that? You know, and the funny thing is, I didn't see any white DJ respond in reference to that, to be like admitting like, yo, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do this, like we're part of the problem. Right, and doing this, you know, what I'm saying like, because that's a part of the problem. Like, I don't, I never play that music. I never, ever, and I can play the most ratchet ghetto music with the best of them. I just choose not to, right. and I don't have to make my career playing that music.
0: Right, you know, it's fun playing some of those records. You know, some of yeah. them are a bit cringe worthy at this time. Now that we look back, right. and you're like, oh, but yeah, but we <laughs> know that a lot of those records set a tone for the music industry and, and, and what can eventually go on, you know, it's, it's like having, it's, it's like with this, even with this coronavirus right now, we don't know the lasting effects of it. We don't know a lot of things about it. Back in the day when we had these songs we didn't know the lasting effects of them we just like they were fun you know and everything but then we realized it was setting the tone for a lot of sexual abuse within the music industry
1: yep exactly and and the thing is it's like it's it's so glorified now like being ignorant is so glorified right visually and videos like it's just it's just it's just glorified like if I want to watch porn, I'll pull out the VHS and go watch porn. <laughs> like I don't need to really see it in my in my rap video, you know. There's there's it's just it's it's setting it's setting an example of just like how to get money, how to how to have champagne around you, how to have like how many people are really living like that?
0: Right, right, right. You know, and like and like you said, like when um everything with the George Floyd stuff popped off, like you asked that question. And you're seeing a lot of silence from a lot of people that's engaged in black culture, even yep. if it is black folks too, you know, like yeah. there's a lot of silence, like going, all right, you know, it, and then there's the people who've been saying this stuff. Then now they're pointing to those people. And you're like, I've are heard... Kendrick Lamar put out a whole album about this. And now they want to know what he's thinking about.
1: Yep. exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, go listen it's, to that album. He already said right. what you... he <laughs> Which is why when it comes to media, I don't I don't buy into blogs, I don't buy into like hype I don't buy into none of that because I'm like, Y'all jump on whatever the current t- trend or topic is. Right. Like the days of journalism is over. Like oh, yeah. real journalists that was out in the field when things was getting was going on and covering the moment. And being sincere and pure about it, yeah. that's a thing of the past. Like, there's so many great journalists from years past that you know their names, right? I don't know anybody's name who writes these blogs these days. Right? No, because they haven't come in and set a standard of, of of doing proper journalism. So I know all these old guys' names or all these old women's names. I don't know any of these people writing getting getting 15 cent of a, a, a word yeah to, to write to write whatever you know so it's it's sad journalism sucks you know just just being ignorant sucks <laughs> right
0: know? right there's a lot of that so you know what's you know what do you have planned for the future I know it's hard to do with uh, you never know when we're gonna get out of this thing you know that we're in the middle of but you know how do you sort of plan to maintain?
1: Well, honestly, so you know, my streaming app doing mixes that keeps me. What's your streaming relative. app? Uh, it's Nerve FM. It's Nerve 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 FM slash Scheme Richards. Okay. Um. So you know, like I'm doing mixes on my streaming app. I do I do live streams as well. You know, I just mixes and live streams. You know, because like, why would I go on IG Live when I have my own app and I can just go live on my own app for Right. My fans. Um. I'm still knocking out projects. I've got, like, four cassette tapes dropping between October and, like, January, February. Yeah. You know, so I'm stacking up releases, you know, writing for magazines. That's going to take me into mid-2022, 2021 anyway. You know, so I'm keeping ahead of the game so that when all this is over, it's like, okay, I've got all these projects. Now I can work on bookings to jump on a flight so I can get out of here again.
0: You that's know, a, that, so it's a good that's plan. Important.
1: It's, it's important to just stay ahead of the ball game yeah, I know like
0: when this um when this pandemic hit, you know there's some people you know they didn't know what to do, then there's other people sort of putting it out there to it was almost like pressuring people that they you know should have a new skill or whatever blah 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 how you know and we've kind of already talked about this, but just for anybody listening you know. How are you able to maintain that to where, like, you're comfortable enough to do something during this time when there's some people that just don't know what to do with themselves, are too mentally tired to do anything, um, just don't, you know, don't want to do anything during this time?
1: I mean, I'm an artist, so I have to create. It's just, that's just in my blood. I have to create. But I have to stay connected to what's going on socially, politically, you know around the world because I have friends around the world that's affected yeah. by all these things. So I make sure I stay in tune with everybody, but I don't let it overwhelm me. You know, you have to stay in tune. But I think the key defining factor is stay off of Facebook <laughs> you know? because that's, I noticed once I slowed down off that Facebook thing and cut all that out, now I feel a lot better. I'm not overwhelmed and drained and mentally drained, you know, from the day to day because I'm not seeing the, the ignorant timelines. I'm not seeing like people bitching and complaining and moaning about everything. It's just like, no, I get my news, how I get my news. I talk to local people, you know, what's going on in your city. I'm getting like firsthand reports. I don't need to watch Fox and all that. To, right. to, you know, I'm, I'm talking to people. Like I talk to people every day around the world you know, how are you doing? And that's, I think that's, what's keeping me good. It's like checking in on friends, friends checking in on me. Yeah. And we keep a nice circle of like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. All right. We're good.
0: That's a, you know, that, you know, that brings up another question. And I remember, you know, before social media, you know, the old internet, you know, Mm -hmm. I used to like, I used to, um, I used to trade wrestling tapes with people, but then I, you know, I'd also trade uh vinyl with people. Also, yep. I would keep yep. just a a basic list of my vinyl collection, like on a AOL page, like webpage, just simple right. a- HTML. And I made right, all these right. friends around the world, and I could like trade trade them things, you know, like I could get yep. these slum village uh, Japanese pressings from someone straight from Japan, and then send him something that is from detroit you know so like that but like through social media a lot of that kind of change because people can like they see the worth of a lot of things um they can sell their own things or whatnot how do you sort of what's your idea of like how do you like sort of make a relationship with people from other parts of the uh the globe, you know? How do you make those friends when it's maybe kinda harder these days than it was like in the, the, the message board days, you know? Yeah,
1: well, it's crazy, like so so I come from the pre the era you're talking about, I come from the pre that era. Yeah. Because before it was the message boards, I was on bulletin boards.
0: Yeah, stuff like that, yeah.
1: So the bulletin board so I was doing the same thing in the eighties. The trading of, of games, trading of games, trading of whatever. You know, and then when the late eighties came around, I was still on the like yo, I'm 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 trading Kung Fu flicks on VHS tapes with people, mm-hmm. you know, across the States. My homie Channing, uh Paul Nice, DJ Cash Money, Biz Markey, like yeah. trading VHS tapes. Um, fast forward a little a little further. Instagram has connected me to so many people around the world that collect or do certain things. Yeah. Where they see what I do. And they they can instantly feel like oh yeah you're you're pure with this you're 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 not in this for the money you're pure with this and then yeah. I, like the amount of people every day that send me records like their release their new releases or or whatever like yo there's this 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 jazz record I think you'll like from 1977 they just send me stuff you know and vice versa I'm always sending homie stuff like magazines or old books right. or whatever you know so like even with with, like, the graffiti scene, like, I'm, I'm cool with a lot of, like, OG New York graffiti writers that was bombing, you know, subway trains back in the 70s and the 80s, and I, Dr. Revolt, who actually made the Yo! MTV Raps logo, um, okay. and made the Wild Style logo, I was at one of his gallery exhibitions some years back, and, you know, I, I went to go introduce myself, and I was like, yo, we follow each other on social media, and he was like, you're the toy guy. <laughs> Because he knows I collect vintage toys. And we became cool ever since then, right? So when I wanted a piece done by him, I was like, yo, I got this Tokyo subway map. Can you, like, do a piece on it? He was like, yeah, just send it to me. Send a stamped envelope, and I'll send it back to you. Now, this is something he would normally charge for. Right. But he knows I'm a collector, so he's just like, I got you. So I'm still making those friends because it's a pure friendship okay? of collectors. Like, it's hard for some people because... Like I said, it's that image thing. People just think, oh, like, yeah, you're the famous DJ and like you've got all of the records and you've got all these expensive records and and people aren't going to send things to those people. Or it's like because they're famous, you're scared to approach them because Instagram made all of the famous people approachable when they were all assholes at the clubs. Now they want to be on social media, interacting. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: right and right. i've never played that that star role i've never right. played that like yo i go to the club i rock a set and i hang out with the people when when the promoters like yo here's the vip area no nah, i'm cool i'm going out on the floor and feel the energy of the room right you know and then people can approach me and be like yo aren't you skin richards i'm looking forward to hearing your set tonight so i'm always a very personable person oh yeah you know? so still
0: right because um yeah, before the social media days. I don't know if you remember. Um, I did a website a long time ago called Renaissance Soul. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. That yeah. was me that did that.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah,
0: so it was a Dilla website, Detroit hip-hop website. I'm actually bringing right. it back as a podcast, you know? Nice. And, and um, I met so many people around the world that were like Detroit hip-hop fans, Dilla fans and everything that I could – um. I could, you know, they would send me stuff that would, or we would trade, like, um, like you know, Zoom Attack would like send me all their records that would have any sort of Detroit connection to it, you know. Nice. Or I would, you know, trade trade records with someone in Japan or whatever, you know. Yep. Um, I used to send a box. I did this a couple times where I sent a box of just Detroit hip hop stuff to Benji B at uh, you know. B? Yeah. No Benji B from from BBC Radio back when he was yeah. doing deviation and he yeah. played a few joints that I sent him. Like this is like I'm se- this isn't sending digital. I'm sending yeah. a box of records and CDs and tapes to like the BBC office, you know.
1: But see, that's the, it's that personal thing of like I still believe in getting mail. Like I still will write a postcard. Like, you know, like when people when people order like records from me off the Nostalgia King site, I'm still writing a handwritten postcard and throwing it in thanking people. You right. Know, I still believe- I love
0: that when pe- people do that. If I buy if I buy a record and there's a handwritten note or whatever, exactly.
1: like exactly. I, feel,
0: I, I love that.
1: Yeah, when labels send me stuff and they write a personal like, "Hey, Scheme, thank you for everything you've done over the years." Like, I love that. Like, I keep all that stuff. Right. Yeah, you I'll know? just throw
0: it in the record sleeve, and I just feel yep. like I'm. <laughs> yep. so that's
1: important. So I'm still building those relationships, man. Like, because people see it, I'm still trading with people around the world, like physical media, right? Tapes, records, VHS, whatever. I'm still, I'm still doing it because there's still a bunch of people that are like, "Yo, I want." the physical media, not the MP three.
0: Yeah, and I'm trying to I want I'm trying to do that more in like on my Instagram, my personal Instagram. I've been as I've been uh, you know, cataloging my uh my music collection, I've been taking pictures of certain things that maybe you don't see too often or I have a story to tell behind it. Right. And right. Uh, it, it's just like and you get a lot of that with like cassette tapes and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like I'm having a lot more fun with that, you know. So I'm gonna continue doing that, and it, it tells a story of like my life too, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean it's crazy because a few years ago I started doing this like direct to cassette mix series where I would just pull a bunch of records and I would just knock out a 60 minute tape and I would just run 50 of them off. Yeah. And then I would just send them to homies or send them to whoever. I would just throw like 10 of them, and be like, yo, these right. are for sale, and I would just and it's just 50 and. It was a Saturday afternoon. I just played some records and it was like, boom, that's personal. That's like, I would want that more than I would want a regular release, Yeah, you know, because it's just something that, oh, he took the time just to sit down and like, he's just mailing stuff around that. Like, that's dope.
0: Yo, I, funny, I used to do something similar to that when I was in 10th grade, before I had turntables or anything, I just had a boom box, dual cassettes, and I used to make tapes for people in high school. Um, of of joints that like I had that I think they would like you know because I had this vast tape collection I had a reputation of being the hip hop kid you know in high school so right. I would make that's them cool. these tapes you know
1: <laughs> yeah so like that was it man like that, that was that's what you, you were doing what you were supposed to do right you know the music was there the music was right there you were making these tapes for people. Boombox, doing it the difficult way, you know, the same way with us. Like, we're doing pause tapes. Yeah. that was important.
0: Yeah, I was doing the same thing, and it was just like – and I had so much fun doing it. And I had like, okay, this is going to be a West Coast tape, you know, and this is going to be an East Coast tape and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, yeah, those personal things, yeah,
1: are so important. It's crazy. I think one of the last times – one of the things that kind of made an impression with me, I had a homie who lived in Kentucky, right? This was 80, I don't know, 87, 80, 80, whatever. He's the one who actually put me up on NWA, like, like Easy e like right. he put me up on Easy e like early, like a dude from Kentucky yeah. who I met on a message board put me up on NWA or, or put me up on Easy e
0: Right, right.
1: You know, which is, which is crazy. <laughs> so this is like pre-videos, this is like, yo, he just sent me this tape and I was like what the hell is this shit like cuz it was West Coast and it was like uh, I wasn't like up on it up on it and then some time passed and it was like oh this dude's about to blow up you know or like yeah. oh, like oh his circle
0: and that's how and that's how it was back in the day for Detroit artists because a lot people's families in Michigan especially Detroit came from the south so they mm-hmm. still had people who lived in the south so there would be like tape trading between Detroit and the south so you had all these like like Detroit artists that were known like in Atlanta or Memphis or, you yeah. know, Alabama or something like, but they might not be known anywhere else, you know? Yep,
1: Exactly. And that was <laughs> what's dope about it. Like I had cousins that lived in like South Carolina and I would go down there summer times as a kid. And I would like eighties, like I would take tapes and they'd be like, yo, what's the new thing up North? What's like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I missed that era of things being regional first. Yeah. And then trickling out. You know, now we, we we all get everything at the same time. It's not fun. Like, like you want to be up on something before everybody else is up on something. You,
0: you want to get that little dirty looking tape that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a cheap ass dirty looking tape that was right. Xeroxed and stuff like that. Man.
1: Exactly. Like even with like Funk Night Records in Detroit, you know, like Funk Night Records. Like I, I get all of the test pressings and promos yeah. months before anyone else gets it. Right, right. So, um, so I'm already planning on radio shows. I'm already planning on my on my 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 streaming app. I'm already traveling and touring and playing it first around the world before it even gets pressed up and anybody plays. That's a great feeling.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no, because Frank no, understands that you know that
1: exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. I just I just did a Tokyo radio show last Sunday, and for like FM radio, like, like, and I played an hour long mix of probably, I'd say, 60% of stuff unreleased from labels across the globe. First time getting played anywhere, first time on the radio. Yeah, and see,
0: that doesn't happen anymore because even, like, in mixtape culture, like, in, like, New York, like, mm-hmm. they would always get the stuff early, and you DJ, Clue, 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 yep. you know, and, and it would be some exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. Yep. New Royce, the 599. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. And it would be like, oh, shit, you know? And then, like... It, but we don't even get that now because we all get it at the same time, you know.
1: We all get it at the same time. So, like, you know, when, when I get stuff, I'm just like, I Instagram it. I'm like, got it. <laughs> you know, nobody else got it, but I got it, like, right. months in advance. And that's that's still a good feeling because it shows that, like, labels trust you and they want to make sure that you get the product first because they know you're going to blast it out to the world. You know? Right, right. So, like, I miss that. Like, getting everything at the same time is not fun.
0: You right, know, right.
1: It's, it's, it's not the same. It's just like, okay, we all heard it at the same time, <laughs> you know? No no one's running to the DJ booth to be like, yo, what's that? What, what, what did you just play? Because we all heard it at the same time. We all know it.
0: Right, right. I, I miss that, too, man, because it was like, I, yeah, I just miss that, too, because there, there was that time just, like, it was before, I think it was around that time when you started getting, like, the free albums, you know, when that yeah. started coming out online. And I was, like, getting all these things, and I started DJing them, and people were like, yo, what's that? Like, I remember one time when, like, whatever that first Frank Ocean, like, mixtape was, right. I played, like, half of that shit, and people were kept on coming up to me, like, yo, what's that, you know? Before anybody, like, really cared about it online, even. And I was like, yep. yo, like... That's this dude, Frank Ocean,
1: man. <laughs> That's,
0: like, probably the last time we've had shit like that, you know? Yeah, it doesn't,
1: it doesn't happen anymore, man, because the blogs are writing about it real quick. Everybody's getting the exclusive at the same time.
0: Right. There was even a time when the blogs were, like, getting ahead of the curve about things. Yeah. And you would, like, be able to, as a DJ also, be able to run with it, you know? Yeah. But yes. now it's just, like, it goes from zero to 100, like,
1: yep, like right that, away. you know? Right and, away.
0: And, like, whatever the blogs are talking about is somebody that's already been set up, you know, and put on, you Yeah, know? that's
1: the other thing I don't like about about, about these blogs is these blogs aren't telling you about anything new. They're telling you about the artists who are already, like, known and, like, this is a new thing.
0: They're already set up in some way, it's you know.
1: Like, a good music site is supposed to tell you about the things you don't know about or the things that's upcoming from somebody new. You know, if I scroll down Hypebeast, every day it's the same people. Kanye um, little whoever Young whoever you Right You know um, Louis Vuitton This uh, You know It's the same thing Over and over And it's just like Okay but So what are you saying There's nobody else out there Making art
0: Yeah I want to oh, I want to hear somebody That's putting out an album And they don't have a publicist
1: Exactly <laughs> That's the thing I want one of I want one of their writers To discover something On their own
0: Right And there's stuff out there You know It's yeah, and yeah. I come across it every once in a while, and but we're at this sort of mind state where a lot of people don't care unless there's right, right. Some side, some set of, some like buzz or cosine to it, you know. Yeah,
1: see that that's the, way, the whole cosine thing, man. Is it dope or is it not dope? That's all I care about. I don't care about your cosines, like I. It's it's, it's pointless, you know. Like 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 for me. A lot of people who were unknown got known because of me. Whether it was because I wrote about it, yeah, at least, or whether it's because I'm in another country and I'm taking a picture with somebody and people are like, "Yo, who's that?" And then later on, it's like, "Oh shit, that's the dude from from so and so." We didn't know who he was, but now we see him on Instagram all the time. Yeah, exactly. Because I hang with locals. Like I don't, you'll never see me hanging with the famous people. Right. I hang with the locals. You know, like when I go places, I'm with the locals. I don't, I don't do the whole like let me hang out with the famous cats. This. no, I'm, I'm hanging with the locals because the locals is, is, going to give you all of the good food spots. Yeah. The big spots, the digging spots. You know, they're going to give you the best spots. Right. The famous, the, the famous dudes in those cities. It's just the famous dudes in those cities. Like, and there are famous cats that are local that are still like grounded and, and get it. And welcoming. But then you got the, the famous cast that's like, yo, they don't come out the house. Right, and right. They're not traveling their home. They're not coming out and hanging out. Yeah, they're people. so
0: busy or traveling that they don't know how the city has changed.
1: Exactly, exactly. So I'm always trying to be connected to everything.
0: Right, right. All right, it's been good talking with you, man. Uh, so many great stories. Like, you know, like always, I, sometimes I like to uh, end the interviews by asking a question. And that is... And we and you already mentioned someone, like, but uh who's somebody that you could um recommend that I would have on this podcast that would have some good stories and lessons to talk about.
1: Yo, so my man Flash G Parks in Houston, right?
0: Yeah.
1: He's the guy.
0: Man, he's I love part- I love that sort of rap, so I'll be I'm already excited.
1: Yeah, so for, for Houston Culture, yeah. He's the guy. Like he did a, a Houston DJ documentary called um, This Thing of Ours. And it just basically did the... Because I never even gave any thought to, like, the history of Houston DJ culture. Right. Like, I think East Coast DJ culture, West Coast, but I never really thought about Houston DJ culture. I mean, it's there. Every city has its its DJ culture, but he actually went out and did a documentary called This Thing of Ours, right? Which connected the dots. DJ culture, right? So... That's one. He also, um, he's like the guy for art, like knowing like the ill black artist that's making really a lot of noise in the gallery scenes. Yeah. Like he's the guy that knows those guys, right? He's he's done a few documentaries. He's done a few like panel discussions with like Archie Bell, you know, and, and stuff like that. Like he's, he's the guy. He's the cultural <laughs> ambassador of <laughs> Houston when it comes to just like the hip hop, and like those old taste of tapes that we were talking about, like, right. I need to find this tape that was never like <laughs> he's that guy. So flashy parks and the crazy thing is where he got his name from was from flash flash uh, Gordon Parks, the photographer cinema cinematographer who did Shaft. OK, you know, so he's like he's that guy. He's the cultural dude. So he's got he's got stories. He he's got that Houston thing locked down. So perfect. that's the guy you need to speak with.
0: Perfect, perfect. All right, man, it's been good, scheme. Like it's been great talking with you. Um, before we get out of here, um, you know, where can people get more information about you and everything that you're doing? Plug anything that you want to plug.
1: So the easiest way is NostalgiaKing.com. Um, and there you can. It'll translate you to my Instagram, which is at scheme richards. Um, I do all record reviews. You know, cultural reviews, book reviews, whatever, just cool shit in general. Um, So that's the easiest place. But my nerve.fm slash Scheme Richards, that's my app. You can download that. I do record of the day picks, which is like I recommend a record every day that you should be into. I do like mixes, all styles and genres of mixes. I live stream from there. Um, So that's the easiest and best places to get get with me, man. NostalgiaKing.com, nerve.fm slash Scheme Richards and Instagram at Scheme Richards.
0: Yo, perfect, man! Thanks for being on the show, man. It's been great Yo, talking no with doubt. you.
1: Thank you for having me, man. This was a pleasure. It's crazy because, like, I made sure during the pandemic that I didn't spread myself thin and do every opportunity that came about, right? You know, and I wanted to be selective and pick and choose.
0: Oh, thank and
1: you. the content, so like this is this is I love this. This was perfect. Thank
0: you for listening to the Fresh of the Word podcast, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Fraser. Empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash Fresh of the Word. Fresh of the Word theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at imsteveo.bandcamp.com and that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T-E-V-E-O.bandcamp.com. Fresh of the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh of the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh of the word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at fresh of the pod, on Instagram at fresh of the word podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fresh the word. For more information about Fresh of the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit Podcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the world.